0: Welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7, Dan Barry's only all-hockey radio show. You want me to dummy you again? Get the fuck out of that net. I'll break your fucking face. Buddy, at W you once, you want me to dummy you twice? Whalers, baby! Yeah! Come on down Saturday, April 8th to the X-Trix Lounge at Danbury Arena for the first ever live episode of Hat City. We have some very special guests that you do not want to miss. Once again, come on down to the Actrix Lounge on Saturday, April 8th for the first ever live episode of Hattrick City. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Hattrick City on WXCI 91.7 FM and streaming online at WXCI.org. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always joined by my co-host, DJ Uncle Matt. Today is our 20th episode, but we'll dive more into that later. We're going to start off with... A congratulations to the Toronto Six in the PHF for winning their first title as a franchise. Uh, they were able to beat Minnesota in a four-to-three overtime win out at Mullet Arena in Arizona. So congrats to them. May not have been Connecticut, but still nice to see them get a, a championship in there since they're you know they've only been around for about two or so years.
1: You know what it is? There's been a lot of up and down with the. The PHF and the what was, I guess it was formerly the NWHL. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that when you look at these emerging leagues and these emerging sports, um, mm-hmm. it's always going to be very, very difficult. Like people are seeing things happening in MLS right now in Major League Soccer and the expansion of, of soccer in North America where there there are literally hundreds of of paid soccer jobs now which wasn't there 30 years ago my point being there were so many ups and downs with major league soccer in the first few years the, the contraction of of florida teams and the kind of the juggling of a couple of other franchises so when you look at uh, the premier hockey federation and women's hockey in general it's an evolving thing you need Time You definitely need investment in marketing and you definitely need for a while, I think, you know, in order to make this big, it's going to have to kind of be like like MLS or anything else where it's like you you have to find the right markets, you know. And uh, there's a lot of talent among these women. There's uh, there's we saw it here during the uh, Connecticut Wales time at Danbury Arena. I was really impressed with that Kennedy Marchment and the skill that she brought uh, the stick handling and and uh kind of that game that she brought to that level of competition uh i'd like to see more of it unfortunately they moved out of danbury and um despite that like you know i was i was talking to tk and he feels the same way tk from uh tk's american cafe here in, in danbury we were just kind of talking about how these leagues need time, and they and they all need opportunity, and some of them are very entertaining. And you know, we were talking about the XFLs mm-hmm. and uh, kind of like the the USFL now, which has been relaunched. Um, kind of talking about how there's so much talent that yeah, it's conceivable that more games in different leagues that you know maybe slightly. Um, with talent that's a little slightly below prime time level, uh, can be entertaining. But with the PHF, uh, the, these are pretty much the best women around. I mean, I know there's a little bit of a split between them and this Professional Women's Hockey Association. I, you know, I don't really know what they're doing, uh, and that's probably my fault. But at the same time, uh, you know, the NWHL PHF thing has you know they've been around a few years now so it's it's good to see them continuing i thought i think it was i just first thought was that it was a little weird that they were going to play the championship in arizona i i i get what they were going for i think maybe it would have been great to i don't know you know have have a have some type of maybe i don't know hockey festival out there during the regular season with with the women's hockey league maybe they could have had a big weekend out there or something but um, yeah, I thought it was a weird choice. Uh, I, you know, you you look at, you even look at Danbury Arena. I mean, would it would it be, would it be ridiculous to hold the game at Danbury Arena, and use the facilities that we have there for the championship weekend? I mean, wouldn't that have made way more sense? I mean, wouldn't some place like Laval in Quebec or. Uh, you know, even even say um, Portland, Maine Or, or some place where maybe there's You know, you say, hey, you know there's, there's, there's always been women's college hockey in New England Where would be a good place uh, to put it That's kind of close enough to a city That you say, hey, we can get the media to drive in Maybe Buffalo would be a great place for it Maybe they've done stuff like this already But I think the regular season stuff is good but i do think that there could be there could be kind of jamboree type things or where where you show up and it's a showcase weekend of the league in a cool city in a nashville maybe that yeah. would be cool you know you you've actually did you do any games with the whale this season pat
0: no um i was asked to do at least two games um unfortunately i was sick both times so i couldn't participate and then even you know when i thought i had time to go at least catch a game you know i didn't but anytime i was on espn and i had free time i would pretty much watch them uh they they kind of struggled a little bit this season i don't know if it was just getting used to a new rink new facility but um they weren't the same team that they had that we had last year i mean it they made the playoffs we went against Toronto um we won that first game then blew the other two so you know just not the same team from last year I'm hoping next season's a little better but I didn't really see as much drive this season
1: yeah I I wonder about I wonder about you know where the whale would be best situated would be maybe they'd be better in Bridgeport. You know, if there was some type of relationship there to support them. I just, you know, I think Danbury Arena was probably the best arena for them if they were going to really do something. Again, we're not off 95 so closely or anything like that. It's, it's, it's not really a great regional hub for the rest of the outlying area, you know, except for Putnam County and, I guess, nearby parts of Connecticut. But, you know, as far as people coming... You know, I you know when they put the whalers in Hartford, I think they thought they were going to be able, and they did for a while. was draw from the Hartford, Springfield, New Haven Metroplex. Yeah, you know, so it's but now um, I think you have to kind of take the same approach with the one. It, it would be great to see the women. Um, I don't know, even play in Flushing Meadow Park or something like that, the New York team I think they like playing down in Jersey now the Metropolitan Riveters or something Oh, they play in the mall Oh, now they're in the mall See, to me it probably makes more I think it would probably make more sense to just have them play in Flushing Meadow Park There's 500 seats I mean, there's some parking there There's, you know, you could walk through the park It could be a nice experience They could, you know uh, Again, it, it, it really all depends And then it's going to be interesting listen we we're going on a bit here but it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the PHF. Congratulations to the Toronto Six and we and we do hope we hear from the the Whale again even maybe just for some type of league-wide weekend in Danbury. I mean I think that there's a way to market that I think there's a way to market any hockey just by getting the right people involved. You know, and 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 I think we've seen that with the Mustache Classic. You know, people who come into town for that, we bring out different hockey people, and it becomes an experience. And I think we could, you know, I think with some of these emerging leagues, it it would be a good idea to kind of, I don't know, figure out how to draw.
0: Exactly, and then leading into our next topic, uh, Quinnipiac will be heading to the Frozen Four. Uh, They played in the Bridgeport Regionals over the weekend. Played on Friday against Merrimack, shut them out five none, and Ohio State beat Harvard in Bridgeport, so they were able to go against Quinnipiac on Sunday, and we took them down 3-1, so we'll be heading to Tampa within the coming weeks, and it's I think it's going to be a good matchup for what we got. Yeah, the Frozen Four. Um, so we got, I believe it's Minnesota, Michigan, Michigan. BU, yeah, BU, and uh, Quinnipiac will be playing in the Frozen Four in Tampa, so definitely going to be an interesting to watch. I don't know if you have any thoughts on it.
1: Yeah, I do. You know, I think it's great, um, I, I I, mean, I think the proof is in the pudding. Connecticut is one of the best states for college sports in the country. You have uh, Quinnipiac men's hockey in the Final Four, chasing a you know national championship mm-hmm. opportunity here, and then you have uh, UConn men's basketball in the Final Four, and you could have had UConn women's basketball in the Final Four. Yeah. It was a, a tough outcome for them in the Elite Eight game, but it, listen, this is a great place for college sports. Kornipiak I just like to you know I don't even know anybody down there I want to congratulate all of them you know not just the team but everybody in the university who made that happen because it created a huge market for college hockey in the state of Connecticut I had a chance to write about that uh this winter for Connecticut magazine if you go online um you you can see the article um the idea is that it's given so many people that were kind of into college hockey a multiple opportunities to see high-level college hockey in Connecticut every basically week in, week out. And then, um, you know, it's created a whole bunch of new fans, a whole bunch of people who didn't care about hockey uh, previously, whole bunch of people that are probably alumni of these uh, different institutions that are now, you know, interested in hockey. So I think that that's a great thing. I want to congratulate be but I also want to congratulate UConn. Uh, I want to congratulate Sacred Heart. They they both opened up brand-new arenas. Great to see hockey in. Again, it's not that, you know, uh, and Yale, too. You know, Yale had a tough season, but they, they've been doing it for years. They've been successful in the last 10 years, big time. So that's one of the things. Uh, I just think that um, it's not the type of hockey that we're used to at Danbury Arena. But it is a highly skilled type of hockey, and some of these guys are already attached to NHL teams. When you see the rosters, there's a logo next to some of the guys' names from an NHL team. That means they're a draft pick uh, of those respective teams. And I think, you know, I, I can't really name them all, but I, it looked like close to everybody had an NHL draft pick uh, in Connecticut this year. Congratulations to Quinnipiac.
0: So to go into some of our last segments here, uh, we're going to recap the games we just had in Danbury this past weekend, two against Mississippi, and the Sunday game against Delaware, uh, Friday really was kind of a weird vibe all around. Um, you know, when I noticed uh, us coming out for the opening, you know, face off, it was just kind of flat from the beginning. Obviously, didn't have a great great game that night. I think it was like a six four final, something along those lines. But definitely wasn't the right vibe that night.
1: Yeah, just. Um, bad start there, and 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 just kind of falling behind. But again, there's some fight and uh, the guys um, battling. It, it was a weird Friday night. I, you know, the Mississippi team came up here and they were definitely ready to compete. I think they were a little jacked up, and uh, I I was impressed with the way Danbury kind of fought both nights and. Uh, you know, the credit credit really goes to how a team sticks together after a tough loss like that. And then, you know, battling it out on Sunday with Delaware, which was interesting. You know, D- Delaware fought like hell. Uh, Danbury had about 50 shots or something like that. How many shots was that?
0: That night's, yeah, we had pretty close to somewhere along those lines. I'm pulling the official. We had 43 shots.
1: 43 shots officially. Uh, I think there were more than that on the scoreboard. But, yeah, I mean, uh, unbelievable um, kind of way that game played out. I think the real story was Daniel Amesbury uh, really putting on a show uh, this weekend with –
0: yeah, with that Sunday, couple of so. good,
1: yeah, couple of good tilts that got everybody kind of in the mood. Saturday and Sunday, he he got out there, and uh, it's a credit to him, you know. Not only uh, is he a, a tough customer on the ice, but he's also great in the stands and great with the fans. And it was really evident this weekend when he uh, spent some time in the Animal House, and he, um, you know, he he was out there on the um, the kind of skate with the team. Event just mingling and stuff, so it was good to see him and his family uh together. and a shout out to all the guys, too. Brendan Dowler was spending a lot of time skating, and
0: uh, Zach as well,
1: yeah. Uh, Daigle was, was doing his thing, he, you know, he's he's uh, you know, learning about being a pro and and uh, just great, great effort by the guys to really interact with the community and make everybody feel welcome. So, sh- good job, right on to all of
0: them. Of course and then you know even to add on to that um, I think it was kind of nice to see like a Sunday game that early that was able to drum up a nice crowd. Um, I was kind of talking about this with our announcer Dre um, that I think this game was kind of like a test to see if matinees will work for like a next next season considering you know the Sunday games we did have last season were all late night games. They got a decent amount of people and we did the skates afterward but they weren't as popping as it was on Sunday.
1: It was a fantastic crowd for a Sunday. Um, it's really important, I think, to mention that. It was a really fantastic crowd. Yes. And, and um, yeah, I do think that has to do with the 3 p.m. start. I don't think people always have stuff to do on Sundays. I mean, unless it's chores or, or go to the supermarket, which they can often kind of work around uh, sometimes. But, you know, getting it at 3 p.m., People can take an early lunch, um, get to the rink at like 2 o'clock, 2.15, the puck drops at f- 3. Uh, I thought it was great, and I think it was something that they really should look into for the future, because I also think that um, Friday nights are tough for people. You know, there was that old, uh, probably way before you were born, uh, a commercial <laughs> for cable TV that was like, when I get home, my shoes come off, they stay off. So like the guy would like you know Saying he wouldn't leave his house on a Friday night I guess after work So I think that's, that mentality is still there For a lot of people It's the end of a tough week The energy's not just not there to enjoy it As they much might I, I think that that is reality for some people I really do And I, and I think that the um, There have been some bad Fridays uh, not, not totally anybody's fault But there have been some bad Fridays But I think the weekends have been great and uh, recently the crowd has been fantastic and I think uh, just some of the engagement from the fans the, the fan that made the um, Jesse Michelle plays better in his slippers sign uh, I'm not quite sure who that was but that was very very clever before we talk about you know next week or this weekend we can't get through this week without wishing Isla McCrary a very happy birthday yes our first female guest ever on Hattrick, Hattrick City, City. Yep. so it's a uh, Happy birthday, kid. We we all, we all think the world of
0: you. Of course. And, you know, to kick off this weekend, uh, we're facing Delaware once again on Friday, 7.30 game at home. Um, based off of, you know, this past game, you know, Delaware was kind of a different team this past weekend, you know, beating Columbus at home, not something really typical of that team. And they kind of put up a fight on that Sunday game. I don't know if it was just something was down with the energy with us on that day, but... Um, you know, I guess
1: we should. This, this is a good opportunity to talk about something a little broader in the league. We haven't done this as much in a while, but we are in the studio kind of earlier this week, so maybe it is a good chance to talk about, look, uh, the Delaware team did put up a great fight this weekend. They, they fought us hard on Sunday, and they won on Saturday night against the other first-place team. They had to play two first-place teams this weekend, uh, division champs already, and... Um, yeah, what do you know? I mean, uh, they're they not sure what happened in Columbus. Maybe Columbus figures that there's, you know, it was a good night. To, I don't know who played and who didn't play for Columbus. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Johnny Ruiz played for us here, and and uh, uh, all of our, you know, all our guys came ready to play, and, and, it, and it looked like, you know, it really did look like they, they improved from definitely that first weekend when we scored 12 goals on them. If you remember... The first weekend of the season, I think it was a Saturday night game, was twelve to four.
0: Yeah, it was something like that. Um,
1: absolute, but. you know, it was an absolute bulldozing. But what can I say? Um, I think that. I think that when we look at that team now, you have to say to yourself, listen, uh, there are guys that want to play in this league, kids that want opportunities out of college, kids that um, have used up their junior eligibility guys that are looking to continue to play pro somehow and they end up in this league and it makes for an entertaining product somebody has to figure out where that Delaware team could do it and I don't know if it's going to be under the current ownership Um, I don't know exactly uh, what was said on their press conference today but it does look like their lease is not being renewed at the Delaware State Fairgrounds, uh which I believe is in Harrington, Delaware. So again, I you know, I don't know what to say. I I can't imagine uh that th- they'd do better in Harrington than they would in Dover, but it just doesn't look like that opportunity is there for them. And I've said this before, um, and I guess I'll say it again just because this is talk radio, right? But you know it does it does worry me when teams in our own division have problems and maybe have to shut down not you know uh, i'm into friendly competition and I'm, I'm i'm also into uh you know having a s- stable situation for danbury because if this becomes a situation where danbury's on an island um yeah it 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 could hurt the team in in some ways you know not maybe not fatally but it could hurt the team in some way, so it's uh it's something that I get concerned about. I'd love to see them be. I've said it. Before, I don't know if I've said it on the show. Move them to Baltimore. Lots of young people down there, coming from all over the country. It's a hip city. Uh, there's an arena down there. They've hosted hockey before. It might need some work. Might need some investment, but there could be a great return. You know, there's just not as many hockey options down there. Uh, and it might be an expensive operation. I, I don't know. But there's, there's got to be some place that, that fits into this league.
0: Uh, yeah. and That's going to be stable. Yeah. And from what I could glean from what I've seen with that press conference, it's pretty much they're in a spot where they need to get that extension or they're done.
2: Oh, and so that's it. Yeah,
0: that, That's pretty much it.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, you know, you never know what the whole behind the scenes is. And, and you know, these these – these situations sometimes come down to a number of instances that have just, um, you know, they they they've consolidated into one one problem, which is that you know, one party probably just doesn't want, doesn't want anything to do with the other one at this point. I probably, um, you know, hey, wish them the best. It, it really is tough when this happens. I saw it happen in Brooklyn when the Aviators folded up in the Fed. Again, very small fan base there. But, yeah, a few people that were crushed and did enjoy going to games. And I did feel sorry for them. At that last home game, they honored those people, which was really nice. Uh, I I saw it happen when uh, Danbury lost the Titans, you know, and just kind of hearing from people, especially on the Internet, that it, it just wasn't as fun anymore. So I I do hope that there's a resolution there. I don't think you're going to do it in a small state like Delaware unless you have you know um just the right numbers and demographics. I mean you, you, you need a city that has has a at least like 150,000 people. Yeah. in the uh in the greater in the greater area, you know, in the area around the city so I don't know Uh, all all the best to Delaware man it was was pretty crazy
0: and then moving on from that Saturday April 1st we're on the road against Elmira this will be our last time on the road there as of now for the regular season Um, and then you know it's our third to last road game of the season so you know only four more games left after this weekend total Um, I think it should be a nice matchup and then we see them again next week at home for a two game set so I think this weekend's going to be interesting I mean we've already clinched our division um, which happened this past Sunday by the way Um, so you know it's good to see that things kind of shaping up the way everyone was kind of hoping they would and you know as of now we're pretty much in it to play that following Friday the 21st after the season's done so very excited for playoffs but got to get this regular season done first and then, I don't know if you have anything else before that. Just about Elmira. Yeah,
1: they've been playing tough too. You know that they've been playing tough too, and there's some faces on that team that I'm sure that Barry fans are going to look forward to seeing seeing come around. Luke Richards and and Schmitty. Um, the you know, listen, I'm 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 glad that Elmira is getting back on track and they're finishing strong, uh, but uh, I I think uh, you know I think barry has been playing real tough
0: exactly and then the last thing we want to talk about this is our 20th episode it's that's pretty big for us you know we've been doing this for a while now um the fans seem to love it and you know we love doing this every week for you guys it's it's nice to be able to kind of give back in terms of just giving out the info that you know sometimes fans won't be able to find normally on like a news site or any local type of coverage but you know we're we made this so we could fill that void and i think we've done it pretty successfully
1: yeah I, um i definitely i definitely feel really grateful for the uh, the last 20 episodes uh it, i think i think it's probably the most opportune time right now who knows if you know how many episodes we'll get through this season we'll we'll have you know we'll, we'll try and celebrate even a little more at 25 just to maybe we'll uh i don't know if we can crack a beer in this room but uh, uh i think what i want to tell people is that a, a lot of the credit most of it really goes to pat um for um just his tireless dedication to the show and um not only his technical expertise but his his kind of growth uh just over the last 20 episodes of uh, i think he's worked harder and harder for these things and uh i think it, i i guess it's a little bit of a opportunity you know I wasn't sure what I was going to do um, in terms of trying to cover the team a little more than I have already uh, through some of the writing I've done with uh, you know the Hockey News and Connecticut Magazine. And then Pat was kind of trying to start up uh, maybe a podcast or something related to the team. And I said, listen, you know, we have uh, the studio here and I think that we both really care about what happens with the team and we would be a good team together. Um, and I think that that, that's been, um, just for me, uh, uh, really a blessing and something that uh, totally caught me off guard. We met up at a 311 show. I mean, we knew each other from the rink very well, uh, but we met up at a 311 show in the parking lot, and I don't know what led us to just discussing what we were going to do about covering the hat-tricks this season. I guess that was in September?
0: Yeah, that was late August, early September. We, we It was met September. Yeah. September when we started and you know we kind of were like well what do you want to do what's going to be like kind of a format how are we going to you know
1: yeah what it? would we do and uh, we kind of talked it over uh, Pat gave uh, gave us a ride back to the hotel and then the next thing you know Hat Trick City started really with the help of uh, Dom Alessandro who created a logo for us and uh, just you know constant constant um you know i i do want to just quickly say a few things about this we created this podcast you probably wouldn't believe it by all the talking we've done on this episode but we created this podcast to kind of give the players a voice um maybe and 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 the fans the coverage that we just didn't see anywhere else of the team you know regular kind of discussions about the team or extra news that could be reported upon. I think we've done a good job of some of that. Um, but ultimately um, we wanted to give both the fans and the players a platform and even the team at times, I think we've given a platform to for, for Herm and Billy and and uh, to come on the show. So, but one of the other things is um, it's really great to hear from the fans uh, we definitely don't get paid for this But I think um, I think if you listen to the episodes um, We've put in the time And I know that Pat has put in a lot of hard work Beyond anything that I've done Just to bring my um, Completely I thought to- I want to thank Pat Because I thought my my knowledge of the Federal Hockey League Would be totally useless <laughs> um, and, and if it wasn't for really him I I just would have had probably no use for this other than the book I've uh, been chipping away at here uh, at WestCon um, in the MFA, but and in all my time, uh, but I am really grateful to everybody. You know, today I went into Peach Wave, Danielle and I, and um, uh, the lady there, Patricia. Rec- it's so funny because my mother is Patricia. And, and then Danielle's mother is Patricia. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of Patricias running around. Uh, my my best friend's mother is Patricia. Oh my godmother is Patricia. Uh, <laughs> Patrick is uh, male, version of uh, Patricia. male version of Patricia. <laughs> Patricia. But um, she just kind of thanked me for doing the show. She recognized me as the the one who does the podcast, and that was very humbling. You know, um, it. it Pat and I have put in a lot of work. Sometimes it takes us parts of two days to get this stuff recorded. Pat records some interviews on the side uh, from what, you know, uh, kind of what he does uh, with some of the college stuff. And, and I think that stuff has come out great. But ultimately, um, you know, we we created this whole Whole thing Just so that Danbury Had something and, and to have somebody Like Patricia from Peach Wave Tell me that Her and her husband Jim uh, Really do enjoy The Hattrick City um, that That's You know That's really all the, That's really all you, you could hope That would come out of it You know what I mean I think It's funny you know Think about how many people Get paid for things And then people hate it I mean if you look On Rotten Tomatoes There are a lot of rich Movie stars And a lot of bad movies mm-hmm um that people didn't like so yeah may, maybe our show's not for everybody but i'm just so glad that 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 a lot of our work especially you know a lot of the hard work that pat's put in um that's been great and we really do hope that in the coming weeks we'll have something to report maybe maybe we got a, a couple of tricks up our sleeve uh for the end of the season but um well, i just want to um I just want to thank everybody who supported the show. Uh, I know Lee Rocco uh, listens to every show. I know uh, Ron Evans, um, you know, people who check in with the show all the time. Uh, it, it's really humbling. Uh, Brian uh, Brian Craven, mm-hmm. uh, he, he said he almost listened to every episode. Shout out to Brian. Uh, uh, but, yeah, definitely a big thank you to, to Patricia from the Uh, peach wave it was really really nice to meet you today and it really made my day
0: it's awesome Matt and you know again I want to say my thanks to you know everyone who listens to the podcast no matter where you're listening from whether it be you're in Danbury and you know us or you're somewhere else you know in the state or in another neighboring state even you know who just kind of caught wind of this show Um, you know just thank you it's it's been a wild ride so far and truly a lot of fun lot of fun and you know i look forward to kind of getting the last few episodes of the regular season going before we start off in playoffs so once again just thank you to everyone who's you know been a part of this wild ride in our first season of the show fans we also hope you heard at the top of the show that we will be doing our first ever live show in a pregame format over at the danbury arena specifically the Axtrix lounge we'll be there at 6 p.m talking you know about the game and you know about the season we've had thus far um you know again our first live event um
1: yeah it's going to be awesome guys uh i really want to thank herm for asking us to do this and asking us to do a live show in the Axtrix lounge pre-game so uh Come down at six o'clock. We don't know um, exactly all the details yet, but we do know that we'll be there at six o'clock, recording a live episode of this show. If you've enjoyed the show all season, please come down. It could be a really fun thing. Uh, be great to interact with some of you and uh, kind of get hyped up before before the playoffs. So uh, April eighth uh, against the Elmira Mammoth, we'll be in Actrix Lounge at six p.m. And um, we hope to have a couple of guests. Uh, come on, and, and you know, it, there might be a little time uh, to make that happen. So we'll, we'll, we'll be in touch soon, guys.
0: Of course, and stay tuned for a very packed 20th episode. Hey,
1: this is Tobias Ojek, number 96 on the Hat Hatricks and you're listening to Hatrick City on WXCI.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Hatrick City. I'm your host, DJ Patty Cake, as always, joined by DJ Uncle Matt in the studio. Today, we got Lucas DeBeneda in the studio. Lucas, how are we doing today? Doing great. Happy to be here. Awesome, awesome
1: Lucas thanks for joining us man you came came right in out of the cold uh back in January you hadn't played hockey for a minute and uh you joined the tricks, and you've you've really had a nice run you're you know you're on you're a point per game since you've been here and uh you're a hustle player you get the pucks you get into those spaces and and you make things happen so it's been been fun watching you play and uh we're glad you're here right Pat
0: yeah it's a pleasure to have you in. I mean, given your background and, you know, playing overseas in France and, you know, a few other leagues as well, uh, we just we want to pick your brains a little bit about all that. So
1: Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, like, uh, you know, your hometown a little bit. Like, what's hockey like there? What's what's the community like? Are you near the Twin Cities? Is that where you're from? Or
2: So I am from Minnesota, not from the Twin Cities. I'm from International Falls, which is right on the Canadian border. You oh, can wow. actually probably hit a golf ball in Canada from my house. <laughs> And uh, and so we're and the nickname for our town is actually the icebox of the nation. We're we're one of the coldest. We get the most snow in in all the states. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And uh, yeah, so we would play. We'd go down. We'd play the cities every once in a while. Different different uh, different places down there.
1: Your mother and father are they from that area? Yep, yep. They
2: were born and raised never lived on anywhere else wow. i don't think yeah so <laughs> uh yeah but uh, it's a real really good hockey community down there we're always trying to you know expand and, and grow the community with more and more players every year it took a dip for a couple of years but i'm glad that you know it's finally on the upswing there so i'm happy to see that
1: you know uh, pat being from kind of uh you know he he's from connecticut i'm from new york city we always kind of see on social media that the, the Minnesota high school hockey stuff
2: oh yeah hockey it, hair
1: yeah and it looks like you had uh you know pretty good seasons during your high school years just by looking at your elite prospects what was what was it like did you have any hockey hair
2: <laughs> uh, no no I was never I was never that guy I unfortunately never got to go play in the high school hockey tournament either yeah or that uh that really good showcase. how was your team and, we were okay. We were okay. We we played in Section 7A, and so we were playing against guys like Hermantown and uh, the uh, Duluth teams, and so those guys... If you know anything about Minnesota hockey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Duluth's uh, like a big city, yeah, too. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're always a powerhouse, and it was almost impossible for us to ever get by them.
1: Did you have teammates from your high school hockey team that went on to play at any level? Or?
2: Uh, No, not really. I think No was other the, college guys? No, definitely nobody that went and played college uh, for my year or uh, I think a couple years after us. Wow. Uh, a couple might have gone and played juniors, but nothing, nothing too serious, I don't think.
1: So it looks like... You stepped into the junior hockey thing. We always kind of ask guys that come on the show, what was that transition like? Where was that where you said, hey, you know, I've played X amount of years of high school hockey, and now it's the time for me to kind of get this junior experience to see where it lands me uh, potentially as a college athlete.
2: Yeah, so I was I was uh, actually a little lucky. I... Lucky, I guess. I don't know. Maybe not necessarily so lucky if some people wanted to go and explore other places in the US or in Canada. I played right across the river in Canada in Fort Francis, is where wow. I played, and that's uh, just kind of a sister city over in Ontario. And so that's where I played for two years, and it was a lot of fun. We had a great, great arena, great community, you know, both the Fort Francis area and the International Falls area their rivals when it comes to high school hockey because they have a good high school hockey team as well but when it comes to you know juniors we get a lot of support from both areas
1: how many people like you we're always kind of curious
2: how many people come to the games uh if it's a good game it's probably 1500 or so yeah and uh you know if it's a bad game obviously it's gonna be a couple hundred but uh we hosted the dudley hewitt which is like the one of the championships for juniors in ontario and I think we set, like, a new re- franchise record for or a league record in that championship game we unfortunately lost to go to the RBC. But, uh, yeah, I think it was, like, 2,000 people or something like that. Wow. Our, our barn could only hold, like, 1,400 or 1,500. So, like, there was so many people there.
1: So when, you know, you, you, you seem to played pretty well on the on the junior hockey level what led you to northland college where you were teammates with i guess several guys who play in this league and on the well, on the team you have kyle gonzalez um did you play with bryce french there as well
2: no i don't no? think
1: so no nope. oh, he played only a couple of months there i think and you were i think you already turned pro but yeah you played with kyle gonzalez um what led you there? Like what was what were your options coming out of the junior situation?
2: So I am in 95, and so I only played two years of pro – or sorry, not pro, uh, juniors. I could have played another year, but I decided, you know, I just kind of want to get going and, and get through college. I At that point, pro wasn't even on my radar, just kind of wanted to get a degree, play some college hockey, and have a lot of fun with some guys. And it's only four hours away from my hometown, so I knew my parents would be able to come down and watch games because, you know, they're my biggest supporters like most people are. With their kids, and uh, so that yeah, it was just that you know it was a good community, uh, not very big. I think it was only six or seven hundred people, and so I knew that you know classes were gonna be smaller. I was gonna get more one-on-one time with the co- uh, the teachers and get a good degree.
1: What did you study?
2: Oh, I got a double minor in chemistry and psychology and a major in business management. <laughs> wow,
1: nice. chemistry. Wow.
2: Yeah, that was the original major. And then so I got I mean, you uh, had
1: a science degree, a psychology degree, and what was your minor in? Uh, business.
2: Yeah, major in business, <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, uh, chemistry was my original goal. And then I get to uh, inorganic chemistry too and tough second level of physics. And I'm like, nah, this, this just isn't for me. And so I switched it to, switched to business like the rest of the hockey guys.
1: Like- people think it's crazy but like chemistry is like a lot of fun in high school when i was in high school i wasn't even that good with math and i actually took to chemistry a lot because there was a lot of messing with things and yep. you know using chemicals and all this shit you know what i mean like it was it was really cool and then uh yeah but as you move up the ranks it gets much much harder yeah, it, was, you know? it was just too on, hard it's like you know sanskrit to some people probably <laughs> me after a while, um, but. Um you know, tell us a little bit about your your college years because you put up pretty good numbers the whole time. You know, it looks like you had ma- majority of career. You were right at a point per game, I guess. Uh, w- what was it like for you kind of transitioning out of juniors and going into college? Did you, have, did you think you could have been an impact player, you know?
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, everybody going in their freshman year definitely hopes to, you know, be an impact player, do good for the coach, and, you know, get more ice time. It was definitely uh, an adjustment going in you know bigger guys as as you move up the ranks going from juniors to college to pro like it's just less and less mistakes I, that's what I've always said is just you know the fewer the mistakes the better that you'll do and you don't want to try and be too fancy going getting off the, the hop and getting the job done is more just kind of the simple play getting the puck deep and and going and that was definitely the the hardest adjustment for me my freshman year was you know going from juniors where I'm putting up a point and a half, two points a game, to college where there's just a bunch of big guys and you just can't can't be that type, same type of player. It's just an adjustment period for sure.
1: When, kind of when during your college, the career does, um, I mean, it's usually at the end, but when does it become reality that you're going to get called? Because it looks like you got one of those opportunities to play some games in the SPHL right when school was kind of ending, I guess, or, or the college season was.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, even up until my, my senior year, I wasn't too sure what my plan was. You know, I, I was getting a good degree and I, you know, go home, try and get a job, maybe move to the cities or Duluth, you know, I'm from a small town. Uh, but after that, you know, I got to go with my, my captain, Max Glasshauser, down to Knoxville and we went together and it was, it was a good time. I didn't play as much as I wanted, definitely didn't play as good as I wanted, but, you know, it was a great experience to, to get down there, see a different part of the country I hadn't seen, play better hockey great.
1: So, you know, it's kind of interesting because uh, I think this is the time of year when some of the Hatricks fans ask why are we signing and why are we bringing in some of the college kids uh, that we do? So it was simple, like sim- similar experience for you was your, your eligibility was done with college and you got to play down in Knoxville. What do you remember about that first taste of it? I mean, I know it's a great town but it looks like you got into three games. What, what do you remember about that first taste of being on the ice and kind of you know you're you're there's no cage there's nothing you know you're you're playing in a real game now guys yeah. are getting paid here
2: yeah yeah uh, it's funny you say that I when we first got there you know coming from college playing four years with a cage on my on my helmet I we get down there and they give us a new helmet and I gotta put a gotta put a a visor on and I'm like oh god like I totally forgot that this was part of the professional <laughs> thing and so I was definitely like a little nervous you know you don't have that protection like yeah. you did for the last four years and I uh, you know you adjust as as it goes I don't even think we got to practice with the team we think we got down there like right on uh Thursday like we had a game Thursday night or something like that and so it was you get thrown in like right away and it was it was an adjustment just like going from juniors to college that was even more of an adjustment
1: I in my Monday night beer league game I took one uh right off the cage but like right right where the mouth would have been on Monday night and it it was crazy because it's like the <clears throat> cage was a little loose and it kind of uh, you know it didn't hurt or anything but it kind of rattled on my face pretty hard when the puck came in so it's it's crazy I don't know if I've I think I might have said this story on the bus the last time we went away together uh, up to the game in Watertown but um, I, I think I told you the story Pat when I played in the beer league tournament and we were getting killed in this beer league tournament like the worst friggin team in the whole tournament and um I decided in the last game, I was like, you know, forget it. I'm going to put my visor helmet on. I know somebody's going to take some pictures or whatever, you know. I guess I think I'm going to be cute and go out there and take some pictures with a, with a visor on, right? I don't know what the hell told me at the very last minute. I literally had the helmet on, and I was like sitting there waiting to go out from the locker room with this visor on. I was like, I don't know what's telling me this. I'm putting my other helmet back on. So I put my other helmet back on and I swear to god, very first shift, bam, right in the head. Puck would have went right in my went right in my face. Probably would have eaten the puck like on the very first shift. So it probably does get a little scary when the game is going to be sp- sped up a little bit. Guys, you know, on, on your level, guys are going to hit you and now you have no visor on, you know, and no no cage on you know it, it must be a little jarring
2: you know what I mean? yeah absolutely and it's it's one of those things too where you don't want to be the cause of somebody you right know, getting getting a stick in their in their face and ruining their teeth and their jaw and you know they're messed up for the rest of their life so that's definitely something that at least for me i try and focus on especially in practice like i don't want to hit one of the guys in the head and you know something happens where they're out for the rest of the year possibly being a smaller player do you sometimes get tangled up by the sticks a lot of, of other guys yeah yeah definitely I, I get a lot of elbows when i'm going (laughs) going for a puck or something like that and yeah uh, i get a lot of elbows i've had my tooth go through my lip twice this year already so it's a lot of fun
1: so uh you got the opportunity to go down to knoxville and play with the ice bears it's probably one of the best jobs right in the in the in the sphl right you're right down there by the university of tennessee and all that um, but you're going to continue ca- your career and in, in what ultimately ended up being the COVID season in France. So take us through how how did you get the contract there? Did you did you need to meet some type of eligibility requirement? H- how did you get over there?
2: Yeah, so my first year was pre-COVID. It was uh, September 2019 is when I got over there. I didn't sign until like end of June, I think. So that's pretty late uh, because they start mid mid August, I think, is when. You know, you get there. Second year, I didn't get there until September because of COVID. But uh, yeah, I ha- I just got an agent. You know, there's a lot of agents on Facebook. Actually, that you just I reach was about out to, to say
1: that. Did you get an agent? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, I got an agent. He hooked me up with the team. I got a call from the coach. Uh, I spoke to the coach for about an hour wow. once, and then you know. The next thing I knew I was there, essentially, I actually had a pretty crazy experience trying to get my visa. So you obviously, you know, France, different country, got to get a visa. And uh, I had to fly down to California wow, and go to this company called VFS, which issues all the visas for the United States. And I did, I filled out the paperwork wrong and I got my appointments at like 2.30 and they closed at three. And so was, I was like stressed and trying to fix the paperwork before oh. they closed. And then I flew out, like, just say I flew out on, I think it was a Friday, out of Minneapolis. And uh, I didn't get my visa passport back until Thursday night. And so I was just stressing because I was was on the phone with Delta. like Buzzer beater. Yeah, I was like, I might not make my flight. Like, I don't have my visa. I can't go, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, okay, we'll figure it out, which was great. But then eventually it came at, like, 5.30 at night when we were leaving at 6 a.m. the next morning to go down there something
1: I want to just skip back to a little bit right there was talking about the agent part like a lot of the a lot of the fans um you know a lot of the fans have an idea that it, even at this low level I mean there's there's some agents involved. what does an agent do at this at this and how does it work do you like just to clarify for the fans do you pay these guys on a
2: retainer how does it work? So I can't speak for every situation but for mine i've got I've got two different uh, experiences with two different agents. So the, for my first year, uh, I just found a guy. I, I was googling, you know, Facebook agents essentially, and you know, a list came up, and I go to their profiles, and they're posting for this position over in Poland or Germany or wherever, pays this much, does you know, looking for a forward or looking for a D. They they these agents are in contact with all either the GMS or coaches and you know everybody essentially knows everybody over there. It's it's a pretty small hockey world just like it is over here and he posted about this one in France and I reached out to him. He got me in contact with the coach and got over there which was great. Uh, my second year and uh, I'm sorry.
1: Okay. How has that guy compensated?
2: Oh uh, it, his was a I think it was like a 250 bucks. Wow. Yeah and I think I was getting like 500 euros or something like that a month so not not a lot but worth it to basically
1: like two weeks pay or something like that yeah Yeah,
2: exactly and uh, my second year uh the guy that ended up being my agent reached out for me and he wanted me to play on his team in uh Belgium I think it was and so we're like we're talking and I eventually didn't sign with his team but he's like hey like if you're looking to get to another team in France like in the higher league I can pull some strings and and get you get you on a team and I can be your agent. And I go, okay, perfect. And that's how it happened and got it done. So
1: out of curiosity, just uh, unless you really don't want to say, what was the reason why you didn't go on that guy's
2: team? Oh, I didn't. He didn't want me. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, it... uh, Had higher level guys coming
1: in the picture or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Wow, so it's an interesting experience. So take us through, you know, what's the what's the setup like in the third division of France? Is it like a – you know, because I think some of our fans and some of the Federal League fans, they see uh – you know, maybe they see Trav on on uh, YouTube, and he's playing in. I forget where, where was he playing.
0: I think it was in Sweden. Yeah, like he's you yeah, know, and
1: in, in, in those countries where they're in a small rank, there are no fans there at all. Like, well, he had a, like a lot of COVID games, I guess that yeah. that he was supposed to be in. But like you know, what was the setup in the third division of France like?
2: So my first year when I was in France three, I was on one of the one of the better teams in the northern division and our rink you know it wasn't wasn't the best it was a little bit older uh they got a new rink the year after that i left which was And
1: in europe these rinks get old you know they play in old rinks forever you know it's it's, not like here
2: it's a very compact area too like you know i'm in paris there's 15 million people that live in that area and so there's you know it takes a lot of time especially with all the (laughs) strikes that go on in that country that uh you know that even tear down and build up a new rink. I think it took them like five years to build that rink that they built the year after that I got there. And so, you know, it, it, that league is, it's not, it is professional, but it's more like guys have full-time jobs and they the imports get paid. The guys that live in France don't necessarily get paid or get paid as much. Uh, the imports they are definitely relying on to be the better players. And uh, yeah,
1: where it's yeah. kind of like a full time job for half the team, yes, basically, and then yeah. there's some local guys, I guess, but similar to like Australia, the UK used to be like that. I don't know if it's like that anymore, but I, I, within the last ten or fifteen years, it, I, th- I believe it was like that. Um, so then so then what happens does the does the season do you get released before covid or is the, does the season end with you on it on a team somewhere what happened
2: yeah so uh we actually lost uh in a big upset i think we were first in our division and we lost like the sixth seed or something like wow. that yeah it was a big upset and that was uh like the be- very very beginning of march and then i you know covid starting to pick up my mom was uh, works at the hospital or worked at the hospital at the time? And she's like, "You got to come home." Like, they're telling us this is gonna be bad. Like, this was before we all knew like how bad it was gonna get, right? Yeah. And uh, so we, I changed my flight and I got out of there. You know, essentially as fast as I could. Do, did a little bit of sightseeing before I before I left. But uh, yeah, I got out of there and the co- I didn't uh, didn't really have any contact with the coach or the GM uh, of that first team really after the season necessarily until uh, you know summer came along and then I was already on essentially the uh, the league up the next league
1: and essentially did did they have any games or you just decide not to go over there uh what do you mean did you go for two years
2: in oh advance? yeah yeah so sorry uh I don't know why it doesn't show up on my elite prospects but I played I think I played like 11 games really yeah yeah uh my second year, so I played from I got there beginning of September until mid mid November, and then that's when uh, the the president shut it down, and that's so.
1: Twenty twenty one, you played in about eleven games.
2: Uh, twenty twenty, so it will well, no-
1: be the first half of yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. At the end of twenty twenty. Yeah.
1: So like what would be what what would have been the first half of the 2020 2021 season. Yes, yep. Yeah, you, you got some games in before it was shut down. That's crazy and you just went home.
2: Yeah, yeah. I you know. I we were all just waiting around sitting in the locker room listening. I obviously don't speak that much French. Right. I couldn't couldn't understand what the president was saying. So I, <laughs> I had a guy on the team, tra- you know, translating. That could
1: be a little awkward, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You know, that was it was a little tough. It was a lot better in my first year cuz I'm here in Paris and more guys speak English, more you know, vendors speaking with oh, people yeah. in the, in uh, like restaurants and the supermarket.
1: I was going to ask you what was a living situation like in, in Paris. And- yeah,
2: so like I said, I didn't sign until you know later in the summer, of my first year, and so they didn't have any apartments available to me, so I lived with a booster, but worked out. You know, that's it was, cool. It was a good spot. And uh, my second year, I lived with a guy on the just a guy on the team that owned a house, but uh, yeah, so we we're just sitting in the locker room, and you know, he just tells me, yeah, like they're shutting shutting the. The league down until well, it was actually just all professional sports in France because COVID was getting really bad again, and they're shutting the league down until like the beginning of January. And this was wow. the this was the beginning middle of uh, November. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna just sit in sit in our apartment doing nothing for a month and a half, two months almost. And so I just decided to go back. Go back home. Start working.
1: Wow. So, what what kind of work did you get into at home?
2: So, I, I, I own a few rental properties back back home, and I uh, I deliver for Domino's, doing doing that. Yeah. Really, that's yeah. another connection. Yeah, that's yeah. another yeah. Domino's connection. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's unbelievable. But no, listen, that's I'll be honest with you. I I uh, be quite frank. I'm probably a little jealous. I think that's the American dream. I really do. I, I think that that's going to be the future for a lot of people. Is to you know invest in property and kind of do giggish work like that to just try i would do it if i could if i if i if i had been a little smarter like within the last 10 years i probably would have done something like that uh but i spent it all <laughs>
2: yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a lot cheaper over there compared to in this area where
1: are the properties like in a big
2: city it, or the, no they're just they're just in my hometown right in your hometown yep yep, yep. so it's, it's good i got a property manager and both of my parents are retired and so you know if if you know somebody moves out they go and do a little work if they can. Just
1: out of curiosity, what what is the call for residency up there? Is there, uh, you know, is there a big hospitals or prison nearby, a college or?
2: Yeah, so there they, we have uh, one of the bigger paper mills. Actually, it's uh, PCA Packaging Corporation. Yeah, uh, and so that uh, that's, that's def- why
1: it sounds so familiar. Yeah, it's
2: yeah. definitely the biggest, uh, probably employer. Second one would probably be the hospital, and yeah, I mean every. Pretty, like even being here, and I have a property manager back home, but I get I get texts or calls multiple times a day asking you know if I have anything available. Wow, yeah.
1: All right. Just out of curiosity, you know, you struck on a subject that I'm interested in. So do you do you deal with
2: a lot of young people or who are the tenants usually? Is it? So, so when I first brought my couple, my first couple, uh, they were all like long-term people. People have lived there for six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, and they just didn't have any any reason to move, and they were happy with the way they were, and the house was decent. So, you know, that's it's older. I don't want to say older, but like between thirty and sixty is probably the main amount of people that I good, do that. Probably
1: with. a good age group to rent to for sure. You know. Um Property is a great thing to get into, too. You know, I was actually talking to, um, I was actually talking to George down at the diner, and I was like, if you could just find some properties, it's it's the ultimate way to make money while you're doing something else. Like, it's just people are living; you have to keep up with maintain the properties, but at the same time, people are living. It happens every month. It's a long term contract. uh, If you have the right people in place, now that's that's good for you. Is that? It's funny because I don't really think chemistry. Business management, I guess, fits into it, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I, get, I get that a lot when people people talk to me about my degrees. They're like, why did you get chemistry or it's something like that if you're doing this? You know, it's like, well, oh, I didn't plan on doing this you seven watch, years ago.
1: You watch, like, real estate shows, like flip shows and stuff?
2: Yeah, yeah. We, I don't really do much flipping necessarily. No, uh, right, right. But, but uh, you know what like, I mean, fix yeah. our upper
1: shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, yeah. My dad, he, he loves doing... Uh, hands-on stuff and you know plumbing and remodeling and carpeting and painting and all stuff like that and so he's definitely been guiding me along this process because there's no chance I'd be able to do it by myself and so I'm very lucky to have him guiding me and and teaching me these things and so it's been a lot of fun doing that with him and I fortunately found a good property manager and I'm able to come out here and play hockey and live the dream.
0: Exactly and then you know in a a post-career world would this be something you'd pursue full-time?
2: Yeah, yeah. Oh, you're in it now. Yeah, yeah. I was say already in it, but yeah. I'm Once saying you're in you know. it, you know. Yeah, it's it's definitely a full-time job. Yeah. Okay, people, do you get
1: Do you get hyped up over like you you? I, you know, I, I worked in real estate for a while and I have friends that are involved in it, but do you have stuff set on your phone and you look at other properties on your phone all day and stuff? Oh, or, uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It,
2: it, when I'm...
1: You know, you know your cap rates and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's all pretty much just a big math problem when it comes to, uh, yeah. you know, how much you're buying or what you're buying a house for, what you can rent it for and stuff like that. And definitely not in the... Raking people over business—that's not why I do it. I rent to mainly lower-income people to try and help them out. Some are on Section Eight, you know. Some get assistance from other other.
1: No, but I mean, you know, while we're talking, Section is guaranteed. You know what I mean? That's what it, there's. There's headaches that come with it. Like the highest-paying tenants, the people that pay thousands of dollars in cash a month—they're headaches too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But some sometimes it's uh, it's just as advantageous to to deal with Section Eight, and I think it's a good thing at times. Um but do you now that there's another another thing kind of sticking with the team of real estate for a second another thing is do you do you get gassed up now that you have little properties working do you like oh now i could build
2: yeah yeah i mean i've been doing it since uh i think it was september 21 so it's been you know a year and a half give or take a little bit and when I like when I first came over here, like I was on LoopNet, which is you know a big apartment. Sure. And I was looking at stuff, and I was like, "Oh, like what can this buy be bought for?" And different stuff, and it's it's definitely just always in the back of your mind.
1: No, LoopNet is LoopNet's really amazing because when you go on LoopNet, you find properties that like could be something like out of this world on there because there's commercial properties on there too, yeah. oh. and some of those commercial properties are are like pre-approved for mixed use, so like. One time I did a loop net search in Atlantic City and there was this old bank building and all, like imagine like turning even in Atlantic City, New Jersey, you know, like a, a vacation spot for some people. Imagine turning an old bank into either a hotel or a nightclub. You yep. know what I mean? Like Oh, that,
2: that'd be an awesome nightclub. See
1: what I'm saying? Like that type of a deal. So like I, I love looking at loopnet and I think but you know what it is? It's all about I think it's like it's like anything else. It's like starting real estate. You never know where you can go If you start small You know your math And you kind of have faith mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of debt And the debt's always there But oh, you're yeah. always working it down and, You know what I mean?
2: Oh, yeah, I got a lot of debt
1: Of course But but in the long run In, in the long run It's really it, It's really important Because um, You know that Marriott He started out selling Root beer Outside of a hotel really? And after a while He sold so much root beer He bought the hotel That was struggling it's all part of the Marriott story, yeah. so it's just like you know it's, you never know where you start with real estate
0: and then to kind of bring things back in a little bit, um when you went to France, what was kind of like the transition for you? I mean like culture wise you know you've been in the states and Canada you know for most of your career and then now going to a whole new country to play. what was that kind of transition period like
2: yeah, you know it's it's. Pretty much just like you'd imagine. Like when you see it in the movies and stuff like that, they they love their cigarettes in the morning. They love their coffee. They don't really eat breakfast. They uh, they're not always on time. Yeah, oh yeah. I I was very lucky. I had to live uh, above a uh, boulangerie, which is a bakery, and so every morning (laughs) five a.m., you know, the guy starts making the homemade baguettes and the danishes and all that stuff, right? And so go downstairs, grab a grab a little baguette, have it for breakfast. Not a big coffee drinker, definitely not a cigaretteer, but uh, you know, it was. Uh, they
1: loved... It. once you go to Paris, and it's funny when you go to the south of France, where I was um, for a while,
2: almost twenty years
1: ago. I was studying down there, and uh, they love American culture. So I was living, oh, yeah. I was living with this host family. The old man, I wish I wish I knew how to contact him. I'm sure he's, he's good chance he's probably gone. He was an older gentleman then, but um, this guy loved willie nelson and he had every willie nelson cassette that he bought like on a military base somewhere over there in his garage and he was so That's proud awesome. to show me every willie nelson cassette That yeah they yeah they love and paris is uh i mean i have stories about paris that i couldn't say on this show
2: <laughs> it's like a las vegas man like oh, it, man.
1: it's it's like nothing you imagine you walk down like if you walk down the street in Paris, it's like situations that you might not get into in Vegas that you could get into in Paris. It's just like,
2: yeah. Yeah. So, red
1: light district, it's all real. That's not fake. Oh, oh yeah. That's, that's legit. Not, yeah. Yeah. It's not exaggerated either. It's like, at least the, the one time that I was over there, it was.
2: It's, it's crazy. Like, yeah.
1: Full on New Orleans or Mardi Gras any time of the year, you know? Yeah. Crazy. Uh,
2: so, my, my first year when I was in Paris, uh, we, ha- we didn't have uh, practice on Sunday. Monday was like just a light one in the morning. Tuesday, practice and then workout. Wednesday, I don't think we had practice. Thursday was a light practice. Friday was a practice and a workout. And then Saturday, a game. And so, one sa- game a week? One game on Saturday every week. Wow. Yeah. And so it was ideal. And so, Saturday night, if we were playing at home or even if we were playing somewhere close, we get back as fast as we could, and we we go out to the nightclubs. We go <laughs> and check out check out different areas because there's so much to do. Oh yeah, in in downtown and you know in the different areas like that.
1: I took the train around Paris once. Like if you go on those trains that go through. Oh, yeah. it's great. It's like going on the seven train, kind of from Manhattan out out to City Field or something like that because you get this whole scope of Paris, you know. It and like underneath some of those bridges, it's like all commute. You know, like people playing basketball graffiti skate parks everything it's 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 they have they have
2: a surprisingly um large amount of like soccer fields on top of like buildings buildings yeah yeah yeah. and so when you're when you're riding on the trains like you'll just see a bunch of kids just playing soccer on an actual soccer field grass and stuff because it doesn't get it's a lot the weather's a lot like it is over here actually not much snow a little bit of rain but for the most part you know it doesn't get that cold and it's pretty nice and so you you know they can play year-round uh, just going back to what you said about how they love like American culture. They love it. Yeah. So <laughs> this happened numerous times when I when I would go over there. You know, I don't speak the language very well. I'd just be like, "Poly anglais? Like, do you speak English?" And half of them, half the time, they'd be like, "No, no, anglais." They would laugh at you. Yeah, they'd be mad. They'd be like mad that you even ask. And then the other half would be like, "We, yes, yes, American, American, yes, America." And it's so funny because like that exact reaction happened at least a dozen times, either one way or the other. And it's just so funny how yeah, they either love American culture or they don't want it, to talk they, to you at all. Or they don't want to talk to you at all. Yeah. No, yeah,
1: I, I found the people I found most of the people to be friendly. Um, a long story I'll spare you guys is that I I ran in to somebody in the south of France, believe it or not, that knew my ninety year old uncle from Brooklyn. What the fuck he happened wow. Dude, the guy just happened to live in Brooklyn around the corner from where my uncle had a barbershop and the guy knew everything about him It was like he's like Lenny that he says he's sick He can't do it no more because my uncle used to complain like I'm sick. I'm quitting. I'm closing the shop I can't do it anymore and like this guy was like a Lenny right and I and he and he knew there's no There was no doubt about it the guy how could he have known? You know, uh, it was pretty crazy that that uh, the American thing and I'm always surprised that like when foreign what, what foreigners like catch on to mm-hmm. I had a, a roommate in college he was originally from China and he was really only in the country a few years but like he loved anything Snoop Dogg like any movie that Snoop was in he had on DVD like it could be like Soul Plane or you know what I mean what was that movie like where he was like supposed to be a gangster or whatever the hell I remember he was in a wheelchair what was that um,
0: I have no clue me
1: either something with with uh denzel washington oh I look it up yeah what's the name of that one where denzel washington's the cop
2: jamie look it up yeah
1: exactly no, just, oh, jesus <laughs> <Denzel Washington. laughs> training day training day yeah like i think snoop's in that right yeah they're both in it yeah so like that that, that one he that really loved that. that's a great movie yeah. So it was just, like, one of those things where it was, like, you, I'm always surprised. What I want to ask you about is what were the hockey fans like over there? Were they, like, people that really knew a lot about hockey in North America or no?
2: So, so my first year, we didn't get that many fans uh, at the games. We got a few, and they're, you know, Friends hard. and family, Yeah, too. friends and family. My second year, actually, I was in Epinal. And they had been voted like three years in a row like the best fans in France. So we're getting like four thousand fans at a game. You can't even hear like if we were sitting next to each other on the bench and they're screaming and they're doing their chants. Couldn't even hear it. Couldn't even hear each other talk. That's how loud and like I don't want to say obnoxious, but just like enthusiastic, intense, yeah, yeah, Yeah. just intense. Like Danbury Arena, probably. Yeah, yeah. It was it's crazy. And uh, do they know hockey? Maybe. You know, I didn't. I didn't. They necess- know a goal. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't penalty. F- fraternize with them too much, but uh, they they definitely loved the game, and they they had everybody's jerseys. They, it was just such a great hockey experience and environment.
1: Is there any fights over there? In those? No, 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 there's no fights. Right? Yeah,
2: there's like barely any hits.
1: Wow, no, it, I believe wow. it. it yeah,
2: so if if you, I'm pretty sure, I don't know if the rules changed or if it's different now, but if you like fought, you got like ejected. And you're done for like a week or a couple of weeks. You're wow. done for a few games. You're out. I don't even know if you can practice with the team and stuff like that. Like they are like against it. Really? Yeah, because they, they, they just don't want anybody to get hit or get hurt or anything like that. And they're actually like kind of soft too. I remember one my first game, <laughs> first game, uh, we were beating a team like nine-one or something like that, and like a uh, French guy was trying to chirp me or make fun of me. And I just like pointed at the point at the scoreboard. I'm like, what do you what are you chirping me for? Like you're losing 9-1, and the ref gave me a 10 and ejected me for, for pointing at and making fun of the guy. <laughs> oh,
1: wow. Yeah, I wow. was like,
2: wow, what do I hurt his feelings, and you're kicking me out of the game?
1: Amesbury would never play again. <laughs> <then>. He'd <laughs> no. never play again, Danny. No, no. Uh, well, what I wanted to ask you is something that I've always been curious about. Um, going back to even when I was a little kid and kind of learning about Minnesota hockey, like most Americans did through the Mighty Ducks, right? Um, you know, Minnesota has virtually that i know of no professional hockey outside of the nhl and uh there's college hockey and but is there like like is there senior hockey in minnesota or anything what a guy i mean there's probably a lot of guys that can play you know they just kind of play beer league after that
2: so i can't i can't really speak for down in the cities i'm sure that there is some good beer leagues and senior i don't even got it beer just senior hockey guys that are done playing pro hockey and they want to keep playing i'm sure there's was really good for me uh for the last two years since i retired from from playing in france and starting my my job uh i would just play beer league on wednesdays for 45 minutes wow that was it only in the winter not in the summer from like it was like november until may or april that's all I would play hockey for. So I'd play wow. like, twenty-five times a year. That's it. And then I got thrown over here.
1: Well, so what led you? I mean, were you? This is kind of an interesting question because now you're, you've been you've been playing well and you're all adjusted. But were you skating at all before you came down here? What led to? Give us, give us like the, you know the, the I'll give you the, the, the seven day story. Yeah yeah, up, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
2: I'll give you the story. So it was Christmas dinner, and I'm having dinner with my parents and uh, I think my aunt and uncle and we're just having all dinner. through the house yeah yeah not a, yep exactly <laughs> the whole nine yards and uh so my we're just having dinner my dad looks over to me he goes do you, do you miss playing hockey and i'm like yeah like of course and he's like do you want to go play again i'm like well i mean we got a lot going on right now he's like do you want to go play again And i'm like yes like, of course right and he's like okay you know he gives a little bit of a sigh maybe you should start like, uh, looking over for teams to go back over to France. And then he was talking about me playing next fall. And I'm like, I can't take a full three years off from playing hockey and, yeah. and, and try and make a team. No team's going to want me because, you know, it's a big thing for them to bring an import in, pay for the flights, you know, expect them to do well. Cause you know, for the most part, when imports from Canada and the U S go over to anywhere in Europe, they're essentially expected to be the the, one of the best players and uh i'm like no team's gonna want me i need to play this spring from from now until whenever the season gets done train in the summer and then i could probably go back over there And and he and my mom like oh like we don't know like you got you got your houses you got different things you know you got a job and i'm like yeah but like you know it's either this or i just don't like it's not a big deal if i don't he's like okay like let's see what we can do and so I think I texted Gonzo. I was like, Merry Christmas, man. Do you guys need a center? And he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, like I would love, love to come back. Like give me a chance. And, you know, I won't disappoint. I was talking to another buddy that was on uh, Birmingham in the SP. Nothing really happened there. But uh, Gonzo was like, yeah, like let me give you Billy's number, our coach, obviously. And uh, give him a call. See See what's up. So I call him and... Talked to Billy for a little bit, and uh, he's like, you know, if Gon's vouches for you, like, give it a try. Like, you know, you obviously got to do well. I'm not just going to give you a spot. I'm like, of course. And so that was, I think at that point, it was probably like a week or two into the new year. And, uh, you know, I start training every day. You know, I wasn't training necessarily, building up to that at all other than the beer league. Mm-hmm. And then I started going on the outdoor rink every day for a few hours, going to the gym more trying just to get back and where's
1: the outdoor rink your backyard
2: yeah yeah no essentially across the alley across the alley from my house i have a backdoor rink which is pretty sweet doesn't get too much use which is nice and uh so just tried to get as much ice time as possible i came over here i was obviously still very out of shape because no amount no amount of skating on an outdoor rink really prepares you for game like Right. right you know it's not it's 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 just a different type of in shape compared to running or, or anything like that. Skating is just the only way to get into shape is to be in it. Right. And so, you know, obviously it's worked out all right so far. And I'm, I'm super happy that we, we, I made it work and I'm glad I, uh, did good for Gonzo and did good for coach.
1: So we've so been, been playing great, man. It's, it's been really fun to have you on the team. Tell me a little bit about, um, you know, just, the. You know, i think you had your first game in binghamton there what's going through your mind you know after having so much time off do you i mean the, the crazy thing about hockey is is um i think if you can skate you know it's really just like that riding a bike thing you know you get back on it you know you're out there
2: yeah yeah actually so our, our my first practice with the team we were doing you know one of our warm-up drills that we always do and i i fell into the boards twice in a row it's huh. just so embarrassing, and I'm like, "Oh my god! Like, what am I doing here right now?" And everybody's kind of looking at me, like, "What is this guy <laughs> doing? Like, he's trying to trying to come back and play hockey, and he can't even skate." It was just going through my head, and I'm like, wow, "Think you needed
1: a sharper cut?
2: Yeah, right." Pretty embarrassing. And then first game in Binghamton, yeah, uh, you know, my my mindset was essentially just don't get scored on. And then in this in the uh, I think it might have been the first or the third period. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I got uh, I got walked by I think it was Yates. He he dangled me and he scored and I was like wow like that that's a that's a tough start to the uh, to the year. But uh, you know we played Elmira the next two nights and did all right so it was good.
1: When did you feel like you're yeah? When did you feel like you're in the in the mode that you need to be?
2: Yeah, uh, gosh, I can remember probably like when we did the three and three in uh, Watertown which would have been like probably three or four weeks into the after I got here I remember feeling good and and Gonzo actually brought me aside and was like you know like you're looking good man like you can tell like you feel better and look better than when you originally got here so yeah it took took three weeks or four weeks to get you know essentially back into shape and maybe I'm still not like even in my best shape that I can be long wise or shot wise you know it it takes a long time to get back into the way i was when i was playing pro and playing college for sure
1: just to kind of backtrack with with maybe some background info how old were you when you started playing did your dad play
2: yeah yeah my dad he played college too where at uh he played in hamlin which is actually where uh played yeah yeah he played there for a year i think he played at mankato for a little bit and then he played at uh uh rainy river community college wow. and, yeah he won a national championship there which is pretty cool he's got a big big ring that's, that's crazy nice back movie. in the day
1: guys used to jump around like that right oh, to go to like yeah. 100 schools
2: yep that's crazy and uh so we had we had a pool we have a pool in our backyard and so he would he would ice it and do a little spraying with the water and i was probably out there when i was a year old i think you yeah. know putting skates on my feet and doing doing what i could you know being so young.
1: You're an only child. Yeah. Wow. Just you. Just me. So, so you get all the ice time you need. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You, you know what exactly. I mean? So we we always ask guys that come on the show, what's your favorite NHL team?
2: You know, uh, I, obviously I gotta love the Wild. As as okay as they've been the last few years, uh, I'm actually a big Golden Knights fan. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan of Vegas just in general. What's the thing
1: about <laughs> Vegas?
2: You know, I don't know. You know, they just that they you know their first year and they make it to the Cup final. I, I was a big uh, Washington fan until then, so it was it was tough deciding between which team I wanted to vote for. I sent, I decided to vote for the uh, the Golden Knights and they lost. But
1: what what was the geographically speaking? What was the closest NHL team to you? Was it? It's still the Wild.
2: Still the Wild. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Other than that, probably Chicago. Yeah, I, no,
1: I, no place on the Canadian side close. I don't know Winnipeg, exactly where you are Winnipeg, Winnipeg yeah. yeah
2: yeah Winnipeg's probably four and a half five hours I think oh so it's probably not too bad
1: yeah. how, how far are you from the Twin Cities
2: four and a half five hours so it's about the same about distance the same, yeah, yeah but that's in Canada yeah. we don't vote for Canadian teams right right no I got you yeah, <laughs> I got you yeah.
1: where was Paul Bunyan from Bemidji oh no you know that like there's that's this whole thing is that Minnesota claims him but you know there's a there's a uh, there's a statue of him in, in Bemidji and there's one in uh, Bangor, Maine, and there's actually one in there's actually one near New Haven now that used to be at Danbury Fair Mall. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, you know, Canadians love Paul Bunyan. That's a, that's just a uh, pardon me. Can, Canadians love Paul Bunyan because he he's essentially essentially Paul Bunyan is a French Canadian word. It's it's supposed to be Bunyan or something like that, which means which means something. In in French and it's a French Canadian dialect, but yeah, Minnesota claims them, and Minnesota's Minnesotians like love them, but then there's all these other places that claim them. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm I'm glad he quickly knew where, Paul Bunyan stood on the map in Minnesota.
2: Yeah, but
0: but yeah, coming out of that history lesson, um, what's your favorite <laughs> place to eat in
2: Danbury? Let's hear it. Ah, uh, you know, I'm from a smaller town, and so we don't have many restaurants that are like bigger chains we got you know we got Domino's, we got burger king mcdonald's honestly at chipotle, I, I chipotle. Feel, but uh, if we're if we're straying away from you know franchises uh minas
1: everybody likes minas. Everybody it's, minas. It's,
2: it's very good shout out minas uh, we got
1: one person to say something different really in a long time we're back we're I back think... to a lot of minas again
0: yeah i think brian was the last person to say something different yeah because he said stony hill
1: I haven't been to Stony Hill. Xavier either. also.
0: I mean, yeah. Yeah, they both said Stony Hill. But,
1: but J-Mac said Stony, Stony? Did he?
0: Uh, he said there was like a group of guys that went to
2: Stony Hill. Yeah. That's like their jam.
1: Yeah. So what's it like living out there and pulling?
2: Oh, gosh. You know, it's it's definitely – it's a hike every day. We're 25, 30 minutes away from the ring compared to only being 10, which is where they're at, the rest of the guys are at. And so it, it's not bad. You know, we got our own rooms. We got our – you know. We got your own room. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice. Uh, only thing is, you know, in the mornings when you gotta gotta get up at eight thirty, trying to get to the rink, right? Make make yourself breakfast before, and you know, going to just going to and from. That's pretty much like the, the only downfall. We live in a nice nice farm area and you know there's horses all over the all over the place so we don't get to touch them and pet them very much (laughs) but uh when we do you know it's it's pretty cool you know they're awesome animals
1: so kyle is there with his fiance in a cabin right and and it's you zach radcliffe and who else
2: that's it just us three are in what we call the tower buildings yeah yeah, uh, i I heard they
1: call it the firehouse right yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. (laughs) and uh
2: and so it's it's not bad you know
1: you you, you guys like having bonfires outside and stuff
2: not yet not yet now that the weather's getting a little bit nicer hopefully we can figure something out uh I, you know I, from Minnesota, obviously I live in an area where it's a lot of outdoors and so we have a cabin you know i I definitely miss having fires outside having you know the nice nice spring weather coming up it's gonna be something that I definitely want to figure out how to do.
1: we got we we have a lot of important hockey left to play. Uh, here in danbury and the the playoffs are coming up right after that too but you know um you probably wouldn't be the first guy to come in here and kind of still have uh things happening in the outside world like some property that you're working on and maybe maybe ultimately you want to expand on that so it becomes more of your own full-time job or whatever it is but um what's in the big picture for you you know do you think you'll play next season uh, no matter where it is or what do you think of it what do you what are you thinking about at this point
2: uh I'm unsure right now you know it, it it'll be it'll definitely be something that I have to figure out you know myself figure out with you know my property manager with my parents you know stuff you know i'm, I'm I'll be 28 here in a couple of days and you know I'm still talking with my parents about what I should do and and you know I don't think that's gonna change and uh it's i I don't know I really don't know as of right now it could go either way uh if i do play i will definitely be coming back here i don't have any necessarily interest in going, going to the sp or going going you know anywhere else in the league uh if i go home then i go home you know yeah not sure yet is
1: it um has it been more or less working out for you the way things are is there you know stuff that's come up with owning property and stuff like that that you really needed should have been home for
2: yeah yeah definitely there, yeah. There not, there not, not to get into too many details right right for listeners but yeah there's there's some stuff going on right now that it's uh it'd be better if i was home right I, I, you know i got a you know a property manager and i got you know lawyers trying to you know figure stuff out for right, me and right, so right. it's uh yeah, was, if, it, if I was home, it would definitely be a lot better for that situation, but I'm I'm glad I'm not because yeah, right I think they just got like five or 10 inches of snow a couple weeks ago and it's minus minus three or something oh, like Jesus. that right there. Right now. And so I'm glad I'm not there. I'm glad I'm here.
1: And I can see it when you're out there, man, that you're... Um Sometimes the best time to play hockey is when you got a lot going on in your life. You know what I mean? So I think it's, I can see when you're out there that you're fully locked into the game. It's a good distraction for you. So uh, keep doing what you're doing, man. I can tell you that much. It's has been fun to watch.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy that uh, I'm on the best team with the best organization and the best fans. You know, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. And I'm glad that Gonzo was able to pull some strings and, and get me out here. And glad it's all worked out so far.
0: And then just entering in some of the last few questions I have. Um, back in February, um, you know, we are in Binghamton. is my birthday that day, just a little side. But you hit that game winner with 4.2 seconds. That was um, your birthday? That was my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Thank I, you. I Thank also you.
1: called it. If you you remember, I said, we tied the game, and there was, like, barely, like less than a m- minute or so left or whatever it was, or a couple yeah. of minutes left, and I just said, watch us win this in regulation.
0: Yeah, he called that. Bang. Thing. But I just got to ask, what was going through your mind through just that final, like, 15 or so seconds?
2: Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't – I think Billy got kicked out of that game. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so Johnny was kind of – he was still injured at that point. And so I think – I can't remember who was on the ice. And I told Johnny, you know, because it was on the right side in the offensive zone, and I'm a righty, and so that's my strong side. I told Johnny, I'm like, hey, like, that's my strong side. Like, I can win this draw. And so he's like, okay, go, go, go. And he sent me out there, and, you know, luckily, I think it was four-on-four, four and I won the draw to uh, Xavier, and he did, ni- did a nice move around a guy, and he took a shot, and if you watch it on video, it's going going right at the defenseman's face. And so it's lucky that I touched it or else it would hit the guy right in the face. And uh, hit it down, definitely not high-sticking. Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely not. It's not, yeah. I mean, yeah, you, no. could, you could hear the uh, <laughs> the uh, broadcasters. He's like, "Yeah, that's that. That's high sticking. That's high sticking. What terrible call by the refs!" But if you watch the video, it's it's definitely below the crossbar, and yeah, uh, two point four seconds went between the goalie's legs, and rest is history.
1: It was just a great. It was a great ending. It really was great. I mean, I'll remember that for a long time.
2: Yeah. So will I
0: and you know going into this weekend, we got Delaware once again bit of a tough game this past sunday so what have you guys been kind of working on to you know come at them with this new strategy going into this friday game
2: yeah you know it's i i all three games this last weekend two versus mississippi and then delaware on sunday they were good games and the goalies on the other teams just played great i think we had like 65 shots on sunday a lot of shots. Yes. yeah and so i mean obviously the goalie can only save so many right you can't you know comes to a point where a team's due and luckily you know with i think there's like a minute and a half left or whatever i got a great pass from uh from woolly and we scored but going back to what you're saying uh i don't think that we really need to change change much you know you're getting 65 shots in a game must be doing something right maybe if we got guys closer to the net got instead of you know necessarily being too low getting or too high you got to get in that right sweet spot R.D. do a great job getting getting the pucks through, and so the forwards just got to bury those rebounds.
0: Of course. Well, again, thanks for coming down. Uh, we look forward to seeing you play this weekend. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And just like that, our 20th episode is coming to a close. Once again, I want to give a very special thanks to Lucas for coming on the show and spreading some knowledge about real estate as well as some of his playing time overseas and what his career has been like up until now. And again, just got to say this for the record, Make sure to come down to the Axtricks Lounge at 6 p.m. on Saturday, April 8th for the first live episode of Hattrick City. It's the first time we're doing this, so we'd really appreciate the support to come out and see us do this brand new thing that we're taking on. So once again, Axtricks Lounge at the Danbury Arena, Saturday, April 8th at 6 p.m. This will be happening right before our final home game against the Elmira Mammoth, so make sure to be there. And have a great time. And until then, this is DJ Pattycake signing off, and we will see you next week.